Welcome, boys and girls, to another episode of the Castle of Spirits True Ghost Stories podcast, brought to you by castleofspirits.com, where you can read 4,600 plus true ghost and otherwise paranormal stories submitted by listeners just like yourselves. I am the Ghost Keeper Jane. Oh, hi. I'm the Ghost Keeper Vince. That's right. I'm the other Ghost Keeper. Mm-hmm. We are the Ghost Keepers. Why are you looking at me like that? Why do you have to say it so many times? Because repetition no. is where it's at. No, it's I not. Don't, I don't know. Stop it. So, Jane, mm. what have we got cooking for this week? Well, I've got some chicken in the oven right now. Okay. That's that's nice to know. I'm sure that, you know, the listeners appreciate knowing mm-hmm. what we're going to have for dinner tonight. Yeah. yeah but, some roasted chicken with zatar seasoning. I'm going to shred it up, put it on pizza with some... Indian sauces, well, Indian-inspired pizzas. That's what we cook here at the castle. I love it. I love it. But I guess what we are actually here for is to read stories, like I said. So maybe we should just get straight to that. Oh, speaking of, mm-hmm. I've got a story I want to read. I am here for it. It's an effing doozy. Whoa. And it has to do with one of my favorite topics of all time, I might say. Uh, James Dean? Paranormal topics, more like. Oh, Bigfoot. No, although I was, uh, I was a very big fan of Bigfoot. Aliens. Aliens, not so much. Mm. Then no. I have no idea. This is a different kind of phenomenon. Okay. This next story touches on the topic of the possibility of the existence of doppelgangers. Ooh. And we just got it. It just came in hot off the press, as they say. Nice. It's not even published yet. Submitted this month, and no, it's not up on the website just yet, but by the time this podcast is out, it will be out there if you guys want to read it and make sure I read it right. (laughs) But without further ado, I want to bring you a little number called Two Places at Once, with a question mark, by Jason in Roswell, New Mexico. That's a good place to send a scary story from. Isn't it, though? Mm -hmm. But wait till you hear Jason's story. I'm waiting. Because it goes... Something like this. I have written and emailed several people about this. I have been seeking answers, or an explanation, or even a wild guess since the year 2006. I thought maybe you may find some interest in this story. One afternoon, in the summer of 2000, as I was cleaning the inside of my M1 tank after returning from the field, I received a phone call from my wife, now my ex-wife. She sounded a bit rattled and nervous. The first thing she asked me was where I was and what I was doing. I told her that I was working on my tank in the motor pool. She started to sound frustrated and told me to stop messing with her, and again asked me where I was and what I was doing. I again told her exactly where I was and what I was doing. Because we didn't yet have the technology and cell phones that we have today, I had her talk to the gunner on my tank. After he vouched for me, I asked her what was wrong, because she was obviously very shaken. She told me that she was in the living room of our house. She'd been cleaning that day and was just about done. Just as she was fixing the finish up, she said she saw me standing in the kitchen. And then I was suddenly gone. At that, I tore off my maintenance coveralls, told my first-line supervisor that I had an emergency at home, and I hauled ass back to my house thinking that someone was in my home with my family. Once I got there, 
I found my wife sitting in the living room on the couch. All of my kids were taking naps. She had this look on her face, as if she was trying to figure out a difficult puzzle or trying to process some strange information that she'd just heard. I asked her to tell me exactly what happened. She said that she was finishing up some house cleaning, and as she was standing in the living room, she looked up for a quick second and saw me standing in the kitchen. At first, she didn't pay any mind to it as anything out of the ordinary. I lived there. It was my home. I had a key. Why wouldn't I be in my house? But then just as soon as she looked down, within that split second, she remembered that I was at work and I was not normally home at this time. She also felt that something was not normal, but couldn't put a name to what she felt. So she immediately looked back at me and saw that I was wearing my maintenance coveralls outside of the motor pool, something even she knew was against army regulation and she knew I would never do. She also noticed this blank stare on my face. She said I stared at her with a slightly gaped open mouth and my eyes were wide open and never blinked. She said I held direct eye contact with her for a few seconds before turning and walking into my boy's bedroom where at the time they were taking a nap. She was frozen with fear and was unable to move immediately to follow me. When she finally was able to move, she ran to my boy's room and found that they were still sound asleep and that I was nowhere to be seen. First, she said she never heard my pickup truck pull into the drive and never saw me walk in, but there I was in the kitchen. I would have had to walk past her to come into the back door of the house, which can clearly be seen from the living room. Second, I was wearing exactly what I really was wearing at the time that she saw me. And third, she said I was nowhere to be seen after she ran into my boy's room. There are no other ways into or out of the house other than through the front and back door. The window in my boy's room did not open and was in fact nailed shut and had not been tampered with at all. I considered that she might be messing with me, but my ex-wife was not much of a joker. She would never joke about something like this. Fast forward a few years to 2006. I'd already been to Iraq and back, got out of the army, divorced, and was then a killing Texas police officer. I was dating a girl who lived in Wichita Falls, Texas. One night, I assisted an officer in what's called a felony takedown. In other words, the officer had stopped a car that he knew had a wanted, violent felon inside of it. After the arrest, I got back into my patrol car to resume my patrol duties. As I was getting into my car, my phone started to ring. It was my girlfriend. The first words out of her mouth were, Where did you go? I asked her what she was talking about, and she said that she had seen me standing in her living room. She walked out of her bedroom and saw me just standing there. And just like with my ex-wife, I had the blank look with a gaped open mouth and I held an eye-to-eye stare with her for several seconds before walking away. She said I walked into the bathroom in the hallway of her house. She also told me that I was wearing exactly what I really had been wearing at the time, my police uniform, but this time I was holding a shotgun. At first I thought maybe she had talked to my ex-wife, but quickly dismissed that for several reasons. First of all, my ex-wife hates me and everything about me, and that includes anyone having anything to do with me. Secondly, I'd only been seeing this girl for a couple of weeks at that time, 
and she and my ex-wife, as far as I know, had never met, and they certainly didn't have each other's phone numbers. And third, I had in fact been holding a shotgun at about the same time that she'd seen me in her living room. That was the big one for me, the shotgun. I had used it during the felony takedown. Now, in her house, it was possible to sneak in without her noticing, especially if she was in her bedroom. But there were no windows or exits in this bathroom, and it's right in the middle of the house. I know what a doppelganger is, but from what I've read, only the person can see their own doppelganger. I've never heard of anyone seeing another person's doppelganger. I've heard that this happens because either the person who sees me is thinking particularly strongly about me, or I may have been thinking strongly about them at the time. Well, when I was cleaning my tank, all I'd been thinking about was making my platoon sergeant happy, and during the felony takedown, I was thinking more about all that could go wrong at the time. Also, my own mother has claimed to have heard my voice in her home when I was deployed to Iraq. I told her that maybe she was dreaming or mistaken, but no, she's adamant that she was wide awake and she swears that it was my voice calling her. If you have any idea as to what this may have been or have any explanation at all, I'm wide open to hearing anything at this point. And that was submitted this month, February 2024, by Jason in Roswell, New Mexico, two places at once. So while I was listening to you read that story, Vince, it reminded me of a story that I've wanted to uh, bring up on the show before. And I wanted to do like a full research episode about it, but I don't know that there's enough information about this one particular story. Um, and I'm probably going to m murder the pronunciation. I apologize. It's pronounced doppelganger. Stop it. Oh. There's a story from the early 1800s in Dijon, France. Uh, a woman named, my French is really, really bad. Don't tell my ancestors. Emily Sagi. We're going to go with that. Emily Sagi. Sagi. Stop it. Sagier. Whatever. Um, Sagier. So she was a French teacher living in Latvia, and she was teaching oh there. Oh my God, I think I know this story, but yes. tell me, because so, I've forgotten all about it. What was his name, Jason? Jason. Yeah, he said that he's never heard of a story where other people have seen the doppelganger. This story, and there's a Wikipedia entry, we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, many, many people at this school saw her doppelganger. She was eventually fired because of it, because people were so freaked out by it. So basically, I'm just kind of paraphrasing off of the Wikipedia article. Uh, 1945, she was working at this boarding school. She was 32 years old, single, pretty blonde, blue eyes. And it was shortly after she got to the boarding school, she had only been there a few weeks, Rumors started going around the school of people seeing her in places where she shouldn't have been or where she wasn't, like students would see her or they would meet her somewhere else. And one day, this this one is the creepiest to me. So one day she's in the classroom and she's teaching a group of students and she was writing on the blackboard and at least one of the students saw two of her 
standing there writing on the blackboard. No way. Yeah. And I don't think that she ever saw her own doppelganger. Uh, There's another story where, you know, they saw her outside walking on the grounds while she's right in front of them at the blackboard. Yeah, there's it happened a lot. It wasn't just like once or twice. Well, that's weird, though, because the doppelganger is like the evil twin or something. But that if they're Mm -hmm. seeing her at the at the chalkboard, that's almost like a reflection. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, it kind of is. But you should read this article on Wikipedia. Yeah, Mr. Moon, the castle cat is out and about. It's such a creepy story, and it's definitely other people seeing the doppelganger. It can happen. I I seem to have heard several stories where where yeah. that happens. I heard a story. I can't. I wish I had the more information now, but I heard a story about a young lady, like a, a teenage girl in the, in the modern era, not not in the mm-hmm. sixteen or seventeen hundreds, who was seen elsewhere where she wasn't supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And they also received phone calls from her. What? And that's like a freaky, like combining phone, creepy phone calls with doppelgangers. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm out of there. Well, we've talked about it many times. Phone calls are creepy. Yeah. The the phone phone. is terrible. Right. Don't answer the phone. Nothing good. Nothing good is on the other end. That's why we don't answer our phone. We do have a phone number here at the Castle of Spirits. If you guys want to call us. We do. And uh, the only reason we don't answer when you call is because we want your call to be recorded for posterity. And if we answer, that's not going to happen. So then uh, why don't you read the folks that phone number? Yeah, guys, give us a call anytime at this number. And mm-hmm. you've got like three minutes. Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Tell us a scary story. Mm-hmm. Tell us where we can go. All that good stuff. We may even share it on the show if it's good enough. If you want a good chicken recipe. You oh, know. God, the, the chicken again. <laughs> That phone number is 801-436-7838. Spirits are standing by. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go on. Yeah, so I was just going to read a story. I don't know if you're interested. If you you don't want to hear my story. You you have a story to tell too? Yeah. Oh, good. Because we have some extra time here that we can record you telling a story and we can share it with other people. That sounds really bizarre of you to say, but okay, I think I will. This story is called the sixth floor, and it was submitted by Aaron in Oregon, USA, in December of 2002. This experience happened to me about three years ago. It is perfectly true and one of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life. I was working as a shift commander in the patrol division for a large private security firm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Part of the duties of said position is the locking down and opening up of certain office buildings on the west side and downtown patrol districts. One of these buildings was a very old building constructed on or around 1880. Rumors about this building and its goings-on had circulated among the ranks for as long as we had the contract. Many other supervisors reported seeing green-colored mist, dark figures tailing them, voices whispering when there was no one there, lights in offices going on and off by themselves, and the sounds of footsteps and jingling keys. The building was originally constructed as a hotel for the Upper Crust Springs Society, 
but has long since been converted into offices for lawyers, accountants, and such. In order to keep these folks' offices safe, we were to enter the building and climb up the west stairs and lock the access doors to each floor after turning off the lights to that floor using antique switches next to the west stairwell access door. The building has six stories, seven including the basement, which has its own access from the outside and has been converted into a gothic dance club known as the Underground. Once you reach the sixth floor, you were to lock yourself in, turn off the lights, and proceed across the floor to the east stairwell, where you would lock those doors, working your way down. One night, I had just finished locking all the doors on the way up, had turned out the lights on the sixth floor, and was heading down the hall to finish up the building and get the heck out of Dodge. About halfway down the hall, it turned very cold, which I didn't think too much of, really, since it was mid-December in Colorado, and the heating system in the building was blotchy at best. So I stopped to zip up my coat when I heard a very distinct female voice say, Where are you going? Thinking that the voice came from a paralegal or accountant working late, I said, Nowhere, ma'am. I'm just locking up for the night. Then it got really hairy. I felt on my right shoulder, through a thick parka, shirt, bulletproof vest, and t-shirt, the coldest hand I have ever felt touch my skin. It was distinctly a hand and right against my skin. It was so cold, it literally burned me, much like dry ice, a fact later confirmed by the sergeant and corporal who were on duty with me at the time. They said there was a deep red mark on my shoulder that looked like a hand. Upon feeling this hand, I froze and was terrified, not knowing what move I should make next, when the voice said, much more forcefully this time, no. Where are you going? I turned around to face my chilly assailant, just to find my flashlight beam shining through empty air. I confess, I gave myself over to primal instinct and threw my flashlight at where my horrified mind reasoned my unseen attacker should have rightly been. Turned tail and ran like I've never run before. The cold hand on my shoulder didn't let up until I was onto the stairwell and halfway down to the fifth floor, which, believe me, didn't take long. Upon exiting the building, I tore around the corner to my parked patrol car and threw myself against the hood in exhaustion. About that time, my radio came alive with my partners desperately trying to reach me. Lieutenant, Lieutenant! Come in, are you all right? I was about to respond when I looked up at the sixth floor. To this day, I have no idea why. And in the window, at about the middle of the building, I saw the head and upper torso of a woman. She was looking straight at me. She had long black hair and skin white as the snow that was falling all around me 
and she smiled the most hideous and malevolent smile I have ever had the displeasure of being witness to. I never heard him come up, but Sergeant Tom Anderson looked over at me and said, Who is that? At that exact moment, the lights in the room switched off, taking the apparition with it and shrouding the room in darkness. The guys and I talked for a bit at a Denny's far, far away from that building. When I asked them how they knew I was in trouble, they said that when I had gone into the building, all radio contact with me had been lost. Dispatch had tried to get a hold of me to send me on an alarm response, and no one could raise me on the radio. Curious, since I had called out as entering the building when I went through the doors, as is procedure. That is, until they heard a woman shrieking and moaning over the airway. There were no female officers on shift that night, and the dispatcher was also a man. Luckily for my sanity, Tom had been just down the street, checking an abandoned school, a story all in itself, and was able to get to me about the time I was collapsing onto the hood of my patrol car. I do not know who this ghost is, or why she still haunts the place. The only thing unusual that I know for a fact about the place is that the basement used to house a crematorium in the 1930s and 40s. Though all activity in the building seems concentrated on the sixth floor, so I don't know if that has anything to do with this haunting or not. There are also rumors of a young girl committing suicide on the sixth floor and about a mass murderer there while it was still a hotel around the turn of the century, but those are all just that, rumors. Over time on that job, I saw and heard a lot of unexplained things, but the ghost on the sixth floor will always stand out as the most terrifying experience I have ever had. Thank you again to Aaron in Oregon, USA for submitting the sixth floor in December of 2002. That story gives me such chills. Man, a lot. That's like a classic. It was not only seen, but also mm-hmm. felt. Mm-hmm. And, and heard. And like heard in, as well. In some way by other people. Yeah. And so there's no further, hey, that's been 22 years. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, if you're still out there and you have to be listening, mm-hmm. you have to email us and let us know. Mm-hmm. And if that Colorado Springs office building sounds familiar to you mm-hmm. and you're listening. We need more stories. I want more stories. I love the setting for that story. You have to walk up the stairwell, locking doors and turning off lights as you go. And when you get to the sixth floor, you lock the door turn off the light and have to walk across the entire floor to get to the next stairwell yeah, in the dark. That's no kind of with setup. With a flashlight. Now, somebody. No, that's a perfect setup. Well, somebody somewhere out there was a masochist mm. of some sort to set that up, say, we're going to have you walk through the dark room and uh, do your <laughs> duties. And if you don't do them, you're in trouble. I love it. I love it. That's, you know, we were talking in the last episode about, you know, what kind of ghost would you like to see or experience? And that one, 
that's a pretty terrifying one. Uh, would or would not? Let's rate. It. Let's rank it. How about you? I would. Yes. I think I would. I I like the mm-hmm. idea of looking up to the window and seeing mm-hmm. the apparition staring down. Mm-hmm. I don't like the ice cold hand reaching oh, through yeah. thick layers of clothing yeah, and bulletproof yeah. vests and touching your flesh. Mm-hmm. Although I'm pretty sure, and I think I may have mentioned it on a past show, I'm pretty sure I was touched by something once. Oh, I think you've been touched by something a couple of times. The one time in particular I'm thinking it was when I was, you know, I had my my foot hanging off the uh-huh. edge of the bed because when you get to a certain age, I guess you forget what it's like to be a terrified <laughs> child and you do stick your hand and your in your feet yeah. off the edge of the bed tempting fate didn't, and the paranormal to to prove you wrong. Didn't something grab your toe? Something grabbed my toe, like yeah. just tugged on it. It was not ice cold though. Yeah. And I remember I thought it was our, our dog Nova yeah. at the time. I thought maybe she'd nipped at my foot, but I sat up and she was across the room in another corner sleeping. Yeah, dead asleep. So I, again, and I, I was pretty certain that it was not something that I had dreamed. Mm-hmm. But- you know, I never, I'll, I'll never know. And what do you do when something like that actually happens? You just say, you justify it, oh, well, and you it, move on. It's either a, a muscle spasm mm-hmm. or a dream, mm-hmm. or it's a ghost. And you're thinking, well, at least they're not like hovering over me, trying to trying to give me a heart attack or something. Right. So I guess I got to go back to sleep. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's easy to hear stories about people, you know, getting terrified by small things like that. You know, getting your toe tugged on, and then. They always say, I see it so many times in stories, well, I didn't think too much of it at the time. Right. And you're reading it and you're like, how could you not think too much of that? But really, it's, you know, because otherwise your your brain kind of breaks and right. you can't just, you know, curl up into the fetal position and, and melt at the, the slightest provocation. You know, your brain goes, that was terrifying. Uh well, it could have been any number of things. So we'll just go back to sleep, you know? Yeah. And a, a lot of the things that have happened to me have happened in bed. And I know that's automatically, mm-hmm. that's that uh, the, the skeptic yeah. in me says, I must have been asleep no, and no, dreaming. No, no, no. You weren't asleep for the pillow thing. I yeah. was awake. I was right there. If you guys have ever heard the story before, heard we, I'm sure we've talked about it in a yeah. previous podcast. But, but you can give us the quick version. Jane got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and woke me up. So I sat up in bed and I had the pillow uh, pressed against my stomach and I was kind, kind of, of- Kind of hugging it and hunched hug, over. Hugging the pillow. And I distinctly felt something tapping the pillow from inside the pillow. Mm-hmm. And I I looked down and I thought maybe, I said, it was like, was it, is my stomach? You know how sometimes your stomach- <laughs> Is the baby kicking? The baby was kicking, exactly. <laughs> and I, I don't think I'm pregnant. And yeah, I come out of the bathroom and suddenly he like thrust the pillow away from him and then threw it across the room. And I was like, <laughs> what just The pillow's happened? broken. <laughs> The pillow is haunted and I want a new one. This one came from Target and I want something better. (laughs) But then a very similar thing happened. Again, we were in bed, but we weren't asleep. I don't know if it was the middle of the night or we were just going to bed or what, but um, we both felt it felt like it was inside the mattress, something tapping. Yeah. You remember that? Oh yes, it's And I was like, "What did mattress. you just do?" And you're like, "That wasn't me. I thought it was you." 
So and suddenly, we didn't have a cat at the time, and our dog was asleep on the floor. It was. I have never yeah. thought of an explanation for that, but suddenly mm-hmm. I have one that could. Could it be possible that the, there were like box spring, not the box springs, but the springs inside of the mattress were like popping or breaking? I mean, seriously, there have no got because to be, we haven't had a mattress with springs inside of it in you know 20 years so no so i have to know i have to put this question out there because i think that i've actually heard of things like that of tapping Mm -hmm. in walls of course yeah now that one's scary i don't know why tapping in walls and that's an easy one to justify yeah it is but it's still it's easily explained as like but if i heard if i heard knocking on the wall right now i would probably cry but, and then I justify it away. So but. if anybody out there is listening and has a similar experience, mm-hmm. even something is really totally as mundane as feeling something tapping you while you're sitting on the couch or mm-hmm. something like that, uh, let us know. Because I really, I really want to know that we're not the only people yeah. who experience that because suddenly I feel like we're, we're alone in this. Yeah, it's not for the, something I've ever really heard other people say. Except for the other stories that I have heard, one or two other stories. I don't know where I heard them. But, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Also, I wanted to point out two things. So, so far, between the two stories that we've read, we have a little bit of a theme. Yeah. Right? We have uh, security, police, military. Yes. Yeah. And while in the course of duty, and I think it was in our last episode, and we've certainly done it several times, where we've called out you know, like public service workers, police, paramedics, things like that to write and tell us their stories. And Jason came through with that this month. So thank you, Jason. Yeah, he sure did. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear more. from from people like yes. that. And I want to hear more. Yes. Hey, Vince, do you have another story to read? I actually do. Mm, let's hear it. Now, this is a story that jumped out at me because of the title. And it's got nothing to do with security or military, but it is a bit of a scary mofo. This story was submitted by Anonymous in Washington State, USA, in March of 1998. Oh, that's old school. 25 years? I'm sorry, 26. 26 years? I forgot it was a different year. This story is called The Back Room. <gasps> yeah. About 11 years ago, my mother worked at a small town craft store owned by my aunt. The shop had once been someone's home, but that was at least 40 years or more before. I used to hang out at the store after school. It was my job at closing time to shut off all the lights and lock the doors while my mother tallied up the day's sales. It was always a pain finding the light switches in the seven cramped rooms because the switches were in such strange places, most often behind things but I made it a game to find them every night. One night, when we were closing up, I was in one of the rooms and I was reaching for the light switch when it clicked itself off. I thought that was strange, so I tried to turn it on again, but before I could, it clicked itself back on, switch and all. Figuring that my mother had shut the light off some other way, I called out to her to tell her that it wasn't fair to click the light off on me. As I said that, the switch clicked itself off again. 
Now completely unnerved, I ran back out to the main room and told my mother what had happened, but she only laughed and said that the lighting in old houses can be very strange. I knew about faulty lighting in old houses, but that didn't account for the switch itself moving too. As we were leaving, we did a quick walkthrough, as we did every night, to make sure things were ready for the morning. It was then that we noticed the light was on in the same room in which I'd had my scare. My mother scolded me for leaving the light on, and as soon as she finished the scolding, the light clicked off. Feeling brave, I yelled something like, stop that, and to our amazement, the light switch started clicking on and off again, and finally stayed on. We quickly moved to click the light off again, which it did for us, and we left the building as quickly as possible. Thinking this was strange, we mentioned it to my aunt the next day. She said she wasn't surprised. Often as she was closing, the string of sleigh bells on the main door would jingle like someone was coming in, but when she looked, the door had not moved. She'd had other strange things happen too. I should also mention that before this, my cousins and I were often told to occupy ourselves in the storage room as we had a habit of getting underfoot. Theoretically, this was an ideal place for us to be, as there was a fridge, a table, a TV, and a ton of junk to look at. What was strange was that we always had a feeling that we weren't alone. The room had a kind of an unhappy feeling to it that we could never quite explain. I remember that my cousins and I avoided that room at all cost. Needless to say, we had always figured out it was our imagination, until my aunt and my mother admitted, much later, that they too never felt comfortable in that room. To this day, I still don't know why all of those strange things occurred. My aunt sold the business about eight years ago, and since then, it's been a home to at least three other businesses. She told us several years later that legend had it but it's best not to believe in small town legends, that a woman had once lived in the house and had hanged herself in the back room. But as I said, it probably isn't true. It certainly would explain a lot if it were, though. And that was Anonymous from Washington, USA, USA, in March of 1998 with The Back Room. One of the reasons I brought that up is because I am terrified of back rooms. Mm-hmm. We have a back room. Yeah. And the and only we, reason... We don't go in it very often. The only reason we don't go into it is because it's packed to the gills with stuff. But mm-hmm. um, the fact that it is packed so, so well with extra belongings and, you know, stuff that we don't, that we don't use. And the fact that we never go in there. Makes it a bit of a haunted room, in my opinion. It feels a little liminal to me. Yeah. You know, it's it's this space that is in our house that has our belongings in it, but it's not used. It's not even, the door is always closed. None of the belongings in it are being used. And, you know, I'm very familiar with every room in our house. But when I go into that room, it surprises me that there's a window that faces this direction or that there's a closet that's on this part of the wall, which is different than the other rooms. And 
it's just, it's just strange. And, you know, I occasionally think we should, we should clear that room out, we should use it, you know, make it useful. But at the same time, it almost feels like that's not meant for that room. Well, we always use the extra room in our house for stuff. Remember the, our last house yeah, had but, a room just like that. But we did use that room a bit, you know. Um, that room just had kind of this disused storage room feel. It didn't feel like a space between, you know what I mean? It didn't have that back room feel, kind of Yeah. that otherworldly space in our house like this like this room does so do you guys have anything like that do you have a back room in your house that creeps you out that Mm -hmm. you never go into it doesn't have to be a back room it could be a basement it could be an attic whatever Mm -hmm. a useful space that is not used we want to know we want to hear all about it Mm -hmm. get in touch go to castleofspirits.com there's many ways to get in touch with us and we will enjoy hearing your stories yes You can submit them through the submit page. You can message us in the lounge. You can send us a message on Facebook. You can post your story in the Facebook comment section on YouTube, anywhere. Get us your stories. And when you reach out, Mm -hmm. you can call me Ted. You can call me Ed. Yeah. Hey, you remember that old commercial? No. If you're old enough to remember that commercial... You're A-OK with me. Oh, boy. What is this commercial? I don't remember what the hell it was. Well, then clearly you don't remember it, so you're not A-OK with yourself? I never said I was. Oh. Oh, Well, as you can tell, Mm -hmm. there's music in the background. Yeah, the the ghosts. Yeah. They smelled the chicken. (laughs) The ghosts want some of the chicken, huh? Yeah. It's time for them to be fed, and they smell chicken. lots of drafty areas in this in this castle Mm and uh, the smells and the scents do do carry a great distances so before these creatures emerge from the shadows and eat our food Mm -hmm. uh, we'd best go ahead and uh, intercept them and and feed them their ectoplasmic dishes i didn't cook enough for all of the ghosts though no especially that that one over there i know the one it looks like something that looks like a job of the hut and he's gained weight have you noticed i know who thought I, I always thought that when you die and go to heaven, you don't gain weight. But I guess if, if you get stuck in a castle, you do. I guess so. So. So, yeah, I guess we better go feed these guys and uh, send us your stories, folks. Keep our podcast going. We need your stories to do it. And if you like this podcast, mm-hmm. tell a friend. And if you hate it, tell two enemies. That's right. And as we get ready to dance our way into the kitchen, I got a joke for you. Oh, no. Which ghost is the best dancer? The boogeyman. Wow. <laughs>